Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cape Sports Now, episode 15. Matt, I was just talking with you before the air. It's unbelievable how we started this show, what, 16 weeks ago? And I know. In the middle of winter, it seemed like it seemed kind of ironic we had the summer background here. But now we're kind of in summer festive. It's really hot out today, and we finally reached the final episode of Cape Sports Now here. Uh, again, I'm Steve Dedarian alongside Matt Goisman. Uh, we're going to be breaking down a couple things today, uh, the past spring season, but not everyone's done yet. we got the Martha's Vineyard girls tennis team going for, I believe, a fourth straight, yeah, fourth straight state, state championship. Uh, just a, a really outstanding program. We've talked about them a lot on this show, and just one match separates them from a four-year stretch. And in any four-year stretch, you're talking about a dynasty right there. I, I mean, I think they were a dynasty even <laughs> no matter what would have happened this year. Right. But to just decide on a whim, like just for a new challenge to move up to Division Two, for no – I mean, they're not – they weren't forced to move up. The boys still competed at D3 this year. Mm-hmm. But Coach Nina Bramhall just said, you know what, we want to try some new teams. We want to face some tougher competition in the playoffs. We'll move up. And it really didn't affect them almost at all. I mean, last year they swept every team in the postseason 5-0 this year – they had one four one victory for whatever that's worth. That was against Foxborough in the South Finals. But you know the trade-off is now they only have to win one state tournament game because mm-hmm. there weren't enough uh, teams in basically Central or West in to have D two sections. So it's just the North versus the South. That's Tuesday at St John's School in Shrewsbury. Uh, not to be confused with St. John's Prep, um, but this is the one in Shrewsbury, which is where the state tournament always is for tennis, where the individual state finals and semifinals are as well. You know, and it's uh, Martha's Vineyard, they are 19-0 and versus Winchester, the North champions, they are 20-0. and So two... Something's got to give. <laughs> something's got to give. Somebody's going to win, finish an undefeated season, uh, which I think for the Vineyard would be their first since twenty, I think sixteen, uh, twenty seventeen. They they had the one loss to Sharon, uh, but the year before that, I believe they didn't give up a match. Uh, you know, and it's two clearly very very good teams. You know, Winchester swept Newburyport five zero uh, to win the North. You know, they they were dominant. They gave up a total of five games in ten sets. So they are very very strong. Vineyard beat Foxborough four one. They give up a few more sets. You know, their only real vulnerability, you know, Kelly Claren lost at one singles there, but otherwise everyone was pretty good. Kat Roberts and Lizzie Williamson had twin 6-0-6-0 victories, uh, which could set up for an interesting match at one doubles because Brooke Scully and Jordan Weinberg for Winchester also won uh, 6-0-6-0. You know, there's not, there's no common opponents to look at, which isn't really a surprise. You're talking about a North D1, uh, D2 school versus South, you know, different conferences, different parts of the state. Uh, But if you do want to look at something where there might be a clue of what's going to happen, so nobody from uh, Winchester made it past the second round of the individual North State tournament. The girls' doubles teams both lost in the quarterfinals, and Taylor Kenrick and Lauren Shilton, who are Winchester's two doubles team, the team they lost to was Newton South, Claire Lee, and Zoe Galoob. And that Newton South team is who Cat uh, Roberts and Lizzie Williamson beat in the state individual doubles championship, uh, which for Williamson is her four, third consecutive uh, doubles title. So maybe that gives you a clue what's going to happen. I mean, uh, Kenrich and Chilton are more likely going to be matched up uh, at two doubles with Molly Pogue and I would assume Cheska Potter. 
Um, maybe they use Alex Rigo, but uh, Potter and Pogue were who were in the South Finals. Um, so you're more likely to see that matchup, I think. You know, Winchester's two doubles team won six one six one. Um, Vineyard's two doubles team won six two six three. So I think you definitely would give the advantage to the Vineyard at doubles. So then it's just a question of can one of the three singles players grab a grab a point. Right, and you look at this is why you play those matches against Sharon earlier in the year, arguably the next best team in the state. So, mm-hmm. And the fact that the Vineyard was able to beat Sharon twice this year, I think uh, works in their favor, and that's what you prepare for these matches. Now, yes, Claren did lose to Sophia Prinos from Foxborough, but you know what? Prinos is a Fairfield Division One, you know, commit. Mm-hmm. She's going to go on and be a great player. Absolutely. And one of the best players in the state. She was the co-MVP of the Hockamock League, a very bevy of uh, – of ta- uh, girls' tennis talent. So really no shame in that for Clarence. She ran into a great opponent, but obviously that was Foxborough's best player, and the rest mm-hmm. of the team kind of took care of business. We said on the show that could be a similar thing in this final where, hey, even if one singles goes down, you know, the venue doubles are a- as solid as, as anybody else, as they always been. And Winchester basically to win this is going to have to sweep the singles, and I don't think that's very likely. But, you yeah. know, it, it is getting warm, and kind of like last year, I know you tell the story of the car on fire. This is similar, <laughs> feels like it just stepping outside today, similar temperatures. But maybe that's preparation they learned from last year of, of having to deal with that at St. John's, dealing with the warm temperatures and, and adjusting to that because it, it wears on different people. Absolutely. I mean, Cheska Potter is the only person on this year's team, and Alex Rigo, if she turns out to be the, the two doubles player, mm-hmm. um, I, I would assume Pogue will, will definitely be playing. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't there last year for that semifinal. So Kelly Claren, Victoria Scott, Hannah Rabaska, Lizzie Williamson, Kat Roberts, they are all very, very familiar with playing – high caliber competition in extreme heat. Right. I also don't think it's going to be quite as hot tomorrow as it's going is right. today. I think that the temperature is expected to drop at least a little. So, right. you know, and that's going to affect both teams. And certainly I think um, these vineyard players who have all been to the state finals know what the pressure is like. Right. Whereas this is a Winchester team that lost in the South, I'm sorry, the North semifinals, the, past two seasons right so really they don't have I would assume almost anybody who's used to playing at this level right. so you know you would think the mental edge goes to the vineyard and beating Foxborough is that was a team that had won the final in four of the past five years yeah so, I mean <laughs> that's a pretty solid indicator that you're doing something right if, if you beat a team like that that handily in, in the final so it's too bad we never got that vineyard Nasa matchup I really would have liked to see kind of how right. the two teams stacked up but you know I mean, I guess, I guess you look at it in hindsight, uh, yeah, I guess you, you, you give Vinny the, the edge in that anyway. Um, a couple of records to run down. For example, Kelly Claren, 15-4 this season. Hannah Roberts, 19-0. Victoria Scott, 17-2. Mm-hmm. That's still, you know, we talk about the signals, singles maybe being vulnerable, but, I mean, they're just about, they're yeah. just as solid, really, when you look at it across the board. So. And Lizzie Williamson is everything in O. She has right. never lost right. varsity. Man, never I've said this before, but match, I'm going to keep right? repeating it because it's kind of amazing that she's been a starter since a freshman. She was a freshman, and she's never lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I wish there was a way to look it up. I can't imagine there have been too many four-year starters who went undefeated in their varsity careers. Right. And they still got one, got one, more, got one more to go. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I don't know. You know, I'm not – 100% confident the Vineyard will win. I'm, I think it's better than 50%. I'm very confident they will win, that, right. that Williamson and Roberts will right. win. So, again, that matchup is 2.30 p.m. tomorrow or Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to the show, in St. John's High School in Shrewsbury, yep. um, right east of Worcester, in case you need a sort of a landmark <laughs> up there. 
Um, pretty town. What's, what's the drive? What's the drive say from Hyannis? Oh, I don't know, like two plus hours at least. Yeah. I mean, we hit a little bit of traffic, so leave early if you're going to support the vineyard. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's it. That's the last Cape and Islands team that's left. You know, we're in the state tournament week for every sport: baseball, tennis, lacrosse, softball. Obviously, like golf wrapped itself up. You know, we had a lot of teams make it pretty far, make South finals, make South semifinals, but the Vineyard is the only team to move on. So after tomorrow, the school year's done. And it's been a pretty good year, I think. Yeah, I mean, in the spring, I mean, there were some disappointments, some teams that surprisingly picked up, but a lot of teams that made it a lot farther than anybody could have predicted, including us. And we follow these teams Absolutely. on a daily basis. So, and I mean, no team exemplified that better than the Falmouth baseball team, the number 18 seed. They were a 10-10 and 10 team going into the tournament, and they make it all the way to the sectional final, knocking off some powerhouse teams in the process. Yeah. You know, number two Hanover, 2 nothing win, beating Old Rochester in extra innings, 13-10. to 10, mm-hmm. And then getting a fourth matchup against DY of the season and taking care of business at Mass Maritime. Uh, I was there Saturday at Braintree. You know, they, they looked like they'd be the team in destiny again. They scored two runs in the first inning. They scored two runs in the second inning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, this is, I mean, this is going to be the culmination yep. of a magical ride. It just didn't happen that way. Dedham was the first team that could really punch back and, and stay on top. And, and at the end, it just came down to a few costly errors for Falmouth, ended up costing them the game. And just uh, Dedham, they were the better team on that day. Yeah. And But it still doesn't really take away anything that Falmouth is able to do just to make it to a sectional final. In that situation, a team that we had talked about was floundering. We weren't really sure where they were going after mm-hmm. a tough loss to Barnstable, but they do play those top-level competitions. Yeah. You play the Marshfields twice a year. You play the Barnstables twice a year. You play the Nossets twice a year. All those teams are in higher divisions. So I guess we shouldn't have been too surprised that they made a run at things, but definitely – it was impressive to see the, the run they were able to make. The, absolutely. There was, there was about a stretch of maybe a week and a half, 10, 12 days, when they scored two runs or fewer in five consecutive games, and they dropped four of those. Mm-hmm. And that little stretch right there was, I think, a lot of the reason why they were seated so low, why they finished where they did in the ACL, because like four of those games were against right. ACL opponents. And then after that, the offense started to pick up. And I think the offense rejuvenating itself is really what was key to them going as far as they did in the right. playoffs. So, you know, obviously that 2-0 win over against Hanover was the exception. But, you know, they had, I think, 11 runs in their first game, 13 against Old Rochester, and then 8 or 9 against Dennis Yarmouth. And then Dedham kind of limited their offense a little bit more. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they started hitting – and they always had good pitching, and that was kind of what made that run possible. Right. I mean, and Dedham just got to pitcher Matt Lieberman, which is unbe- had an unbelievable year. Yeah. He threw a no-hitter earlier in the season. Going to pitch in college. Absolutely. And, I mean, it was just one of those things where Dedham just – they got his timing down eventually and, and took advantage of that. I mean, Falmouth, what was so interesting is that they were swinging so early in counts. I, I think I counted 12 of the first 13 at-bats mm-hmm. were first-pitch strikes. Either that or they were swinging at the ball. So. Uh-huh. Eventually, that Dedham caught on. You know, the, the pitcher Griffin O'Connor started mixing up. You know, first pitch selections, mm-hmm. and I think that just threw Falmouth off off rhythm. Could be. It was really tough to see Gates Keller, a guy who I think plays really any sport with more passion than anybody that we've seen around yeah, here. Yeah, he really plays. Um, all had a outs. chance, and you know, he had a chance to to give them the to tie it or give them the lead. He was up with the bases loaded, two outs in the sixth, down two runs. Grounded his shortstop, and, I mean, you just saw his passion right there. I mean, he knew he didn't get a piece of it, but he went as hard charging 
And he went sliding into first base. And I know a lot of people say, you know, it slows you down and stuff like that. But I think that was honestly just him giving him every single bit of effort that he had. And at the end, they just kind of fell short. But, again, great run. I mean, Falith has nothing to be ashamed of. I mean, no. they, made it, they made it interesting and, and farther than, than anybody else in this tournament. And a quick note, I did interview senior, Kevin Pe- senior captain Kevin Peters after the mm-hmm. game. My uh, recorder actually cut off after seven seconds, so Kevin or anybody else who's listening from the team, I didn't leave you out on purpose. Honestly, I just didn't want to put words in your mouth, so I apologize about that. Um, Great game for him. I know. And, and, and really from others, you know, he had Colby Davis in the bottom of the lineup, too, in that game. Number eight hitter. Went four for four. Wow. Two doubles mm-hmm. to start, and then he had two more singles. So, Thomas left everything they had out there, and again, they just got beat by a better team. And there is some youth on that team. I Absolutely, mean, Alex yeah. Frantoni is just a sophomore, I think. And and he's going to be their emerging ace, I feel like. Absolutely. <laughs> so... Um, and then you mentioned before the show, too, and Falmouth pretty much won the spring season, I think, because yeah. when you go transition into boys lacrosse, I mean, um, to, to reset here, so Falmouth boys lacrosse lost to situate 8-7 in the Division Two sectional final. Another great run for Falmouth. It just seemed like in past years they just came up a little bit short against the South Shore team. And, you know, our sports editor, Paul Bauker, and I were talking about this the other night. You know, you come mm-hmm. from the South Shore. It's just there's almost that institutional built-in advantage. There's just a strong powerhouse in mm-hmm. the state packed with really solid you know boys lacrosse programs that have been doing it a long time and absolutely yeah the cape is getting there i think you know with the acl but there's just that built-in advantage of the teams you play the team sit to it plays and found battle them right to the end you know it was five five and halftime seven seven late and drew row for situate scored the winning goal 126 left and then situate won the ensuing face off and ran out the clock yeah and, and that's the thing it's just that's the nature of the sport you lose the draw there and you're just kind of helpless because you can foul there and maybe try to bait him into trying to score another goal, but but they won't. I mean, right. <laughs> Falmouth also so Colin Almeida, who was their like right. best offensive player in the regular season, he played in that game, but he was not one hundred percent at all. He was still recovering from. I think it was a knee. Bru- no, it was actually we found out. Paul found out Friday that he was battling a bruised kidney injury. A kidney, okay, I but mean, it was suffered during Bishop Fian, right? Which during was, a play, it was during a playoff game. I'm not sure exactly which. I think one. it was whatever it was. He missed. The semifinal game, which they they won, and then um, and then he played in the right. finals because I don't think there's any way he was not going to play, but he was not 100. percent And you probably think that if he's 100, percent that's the difference of maybe a couple of goals right there. So absolutely, you know, I mean, again, the dedication to to, to battle through that. I mean, he is just a kid too. I mean, yeah. you talk about pro athletes battling through some stuff. I mean. I'm sure he was cleared and everything. Let's be clear. I'm sure they yeah, wouldn't I, have let him out there if he was no, I'm not risking saying, himself. Yeah, but. he wasn't a health risk by playing. He just was not 100%. Right, I mean. absolutely. So, I mean, kudos for battling through that. But you're right. He only had, I believe, tw- yeah, he scored twice in that game. Chris Parkinson and Tyler McKenzie both scored twice. And Duke Melton had the other goal. But, I mean, as Coach Rory Moore said, I mean, the Clippers left it all on the field. I yeah. mean, really, and they turned some heads this year. They beat some, you know, top off-cape talent. You know, sweeping King Phillip, a Division One team. You know, they beat uh, Weymouth, and early in the year they battled some some really top flight teams, Westwood and uh, Foxborough, and they got mm-hmm. beat. But, but you know, they challenged themselves yeah, absolutely, yeah. and and that's what you have to do. Like I mentioned, you got to go play these off cape solid absolutely. South Shore programs to eventually match up. And, and I think with with Almeida coming back, you know, at least in theory, this team is going to be all right. They're going to lose some seniors, but. When you look at that roster, that roster is absolutely loaded. 
I'm sure that they can replenish for next year and really make a run at things. I would I wouldn't be surprised if they were back in the same position next year. I think they're definitely. I don't it's know just if they a matter can, them winning. <laughs> right. I don't know if they can like you know do everything they did this year, earn a top seed, and they were they were league champions, right? Yep. They won the ACL. So, they went undefeated in the ACL, which I yeah. think was even more. You yeah, know, I mean, and that means beating you know. Oh, no, excuse me, that's not true. They did lose their one opener, and then they ran the table from there. Right. They lost the sandwich in the home opener. So, you know, I don't know if they can do quite the same, but they should still be very, very competitive next right. year. You know, when we talk about Falmouth winning this spring, we're not just talking about baseball and boys lacrosse. The girls lacrosse team had its winningest season ever, mm-hmm. you know, until they lost to Marshfield in a kind of a surprising first-round <laughs> loss, but they won the ACL more wins than ever before. They, they're sending, I think, three or four girls on to play college lacrosse or field hockey the boys' tennis team went undefeated in the regular season. They were the number one seed. Obviously, a league title came out of that. You know, the softball team made the playoffs and won the Cape Cod Showdown, and the girls' tennis team also made the playoffs. So they right. had, you know, they were well represented in just about every sport in the spring. I mean, they one of their golfers qualified. Their sailing was okay, and they had some at least division, you know, qualifiers in track. I mm-hmm. don't think they had anybody go to Allstate, but um, – right. But, you know, so if you want to talk about a school winning a season, you kind of think D.Y. won the fall between their football team just kind of beating up everybody mm-hmm. and winning a state title and then the um, the field hockey team winning a south sectional title. And then the winner I think you probably give to Mashpee, you know, that basketball team doing so well going to the Garden, mm-hmm. winning its first uh, title. But I think the spring – belong to Falmouth, even with stuff like Tiana Bazzi doing so well in track for DY and, you know, league titles for Monomoy and softball and St. John Paul in baseball and Mashpee in baseball, things like that. Mm-hmm. I think, I think this was Falmouth's spring. Absolutely. Yeah. Just an outstanding year and, and really across the board. I mean, we could do a whole show just recapping the past memories of this year. There certainly were a lot of them, but it, it certainly, and I was thinking about this Saturday, you know, Falmouth, at least the baseball team reminded me of why they play the games. And, you know, so often you look at the seeds and you mm-hmm. look at just the power, you just assume this team's going to win. But the surprises happen. And, and we saw it this spring with Nasa Girls Tennis Team being knocked off or, you know, just even DY trying to make a run at things at the end to make a playoff spot. Um, unpredictability, you know, the born SJP baseball game, people will be talking about that for a long time, you know, that controversial call there. I mean, but it it just reminds us that, you know, we play the games because of its unpredictability and just. It wouldn't be fun if we knew who was going to win every time. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. No, thanks for finishing my thought on that. So, um, certainly, you know, we wanted to mention one more team, uh, moving off of Falmouth, you know, the Barnstable girls golf team. Yeah, Standing finish for them, finishing second in the all-state meet at Thorny Lee. Country Club at Brockton, you know, they you know, they leapfrogged several teams that, at least in theory, were, were supposed to beat them. Yeah. Notre Dame was the one exception. They ended up winning the state title. But, you know, they finished third in the South sectional and actually moved a spot up in the state tournament. Yeah, right. So <laughs> that's pretty incredible. Um, they shot 400 total as, as a team, as a team total. I have the scores here. You know, Kira Nero, oh, Nero Nairo shot a 95. Megan Wigan a 96. Amelia Zink, 101. You know, and these scores seem high, but, you know, when you're on a, a course like Thorny Lee, which, by the way, is the same course, Matt Parziali, the Brockton firefighter mm-hmm. who just did really well in the U.S. Open, that's his home course. I yeah. Mean, so, yeah, the tees are a little bit different, but, of course, you know, you're playing on one of the best courses 
I think, in the South Shore, at least one of the most well-renowned. Probably one of the best in Massachusetts. I mm-hmm. mean, it's got to be pretty good if they put the state tournament there. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, and, and we found out some interesting news that Coach Mark Titus is going to come back for one more year. Previously announced that he was going to retire, and um, he's going to be back for another year. So we'll, we'll see what kind Talk of time in the fall, yeah. And, you know, when you look at the 2017-2018 season, you know, with Titus working with the boys crowd, we had Olden Ellison. Yeah. Going to win a state championship, individual state championship. Which Barnstable so. Golf had never had before. It never had an individual champion. So, Or at least t- with Titus, there had never been one. So another year of, because uh, I believe Holden, was he a junior? No, he's, he was, uh, he's a senior. He was a senior. Okay. So um, still, you know, gets another year to work with that program. And, and you have that under your belt. He yeah. certainly earned it from all the years that he's uh, been head coach mm-hmm. there. So um, outstanding job right. on that regard. Cool. I think we should wrap this up. Just about it, yeah. All right, so. that's going to do it for the last, for now, episode <laughs> of Cape Sports Now. It's been a blast uh, doing this, see, talking to you all every uh, Monday afternoon. Uh, ho- hopefully we'll be back in the fall with high school football starting up. I'm, you know, I already am getting excited about that. You know, For your Cape Sports fix over the summertime, be sure to check out Cape League Corner where uh, myself and our intern, Colin Hossill, will be talking each week about uh, the Cape Cod Baseball League, the ev- everything going on with that. Best amateur baseball in the country, so if you want something fun to watch, definitely check out a game. Chances are wherever you live on the Cape, there's somebody, you know, there's one team playing pretty close to you. Uh, you can find this episode and previous episodes on capecodtimes.com slash capesportsnow, capecodtimes.com dot com slash sports for all of your uh, local sports coverage. I'm Matt Goisman. You can find me on Twitter at at Matt Goisman CCT. That's M-A-T-T-G-O-I-S-M-A-N-C-C-T. And I'm Steve Dudarian. You can also find me on Twitter at Steve underscore Dudarian. That's D-E-R-D-E-R-I-A-N. Matt, it's been a pleasure. We'll, uh, Absolutely. We'll see you in the fall. I think there's an old song with the lyrics, see you in September. So we'll see you in <laughs> September. Bye for now.